We'll start this morning by reading just one verse from our Scripture lesson. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not, that ye be not judged. Some have said this is the most oft-quoted verse in the Bible and one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. It's amazing that the culture and the world can take the very words of Jesus and turn it into their rally cry and try to make it say something that Jesus wasn't intending for it to say. Of course, in this cancel culture, the thought is that any dissenting opinions or any opinion at all based on morality on and on God's Word should be canceled. And they will take a verse like this and weaponize it and actually try to use it against the Lord's people. What is Jesus really saying here when He says, Judge not, that ye be not judged? Was the Lord telling us that we can never call out or condemn sin in anyone's life? Was He telling us we can never speak up for the truths in God's Word? That somehow as Christians were to remain silent and passive while the name of the Lord is often blasphemed and slandered? Is Jesus saying that in order to keep the peace, we need to tolerate everything and not judge anything? Well, that's not what Jesus was saying at all. It doesn't mean that we can't make any moral assessments. Matter of fact, Jesus in that same chapter uh, many times says just the opposite. If you look at verse 6, Jesus says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and render you. Well, what was the Lord saying here? Jesus wasn't singling out any individual and calling them a pig or a dog, but He was describing certain types of people. There are people in the world who will adamantly oppose any effort you may make to share the gospel with them. They are completely belligerent to the gospel and they will act in ways um, that are completely disapproving of any attempts you may try to make to share the good news of Jesus with them. They'll take those efforts and throw them back in your face. They'll trample the Word of God under their feet. Jesus says avoid that type of people. Well, how do we do that? Well, we need to make moral judgments. Moral assessments. We need to be able to discern what type of receptiveness a person has to the gospel so we can see uh, one example of actually, as Christians, making judgments. Matthew seven fifteen and 16 of that same chapter warns us against false prophets. Jesus said, beware of false prophets. Verse 16, he lets us know we can discern what type of person someone is by examining the fruits in their lives or examining their behaviors. These are things that we're called to do as Christians. Hebrews 5.14 speaks of the mature Christian using their senses to discern what is good and what is evil. That requires a moral judgment. Ephesians 5.11, it says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That word reprove means to correct. Well, how do we do that unless we're able to make certain judgments? 
First Corinthians chapter 5, you read about Paul actually chastising and reprimanding the church there in Corinth for not judging and for dealing with an individual who was involved in a gross sexual sin. They were allowing it to go on in the church. And Paul said, you should have judged him according to his works. And Paul, when he was aware of the situation, he said, even though I'm not there physically or in the present, I've already judged the individual concerning his conduct. In verse 5 of that chapter, it says, to, live, to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the Spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus. So Paul's endgame here for judging this individual wasn't his destruction, but his redemption. But he realized certain judgments had to be made based on this uh, man's conduct. Tells us to rightly divide the word of truth. Tells us to try the spirits to see whether or not they are of God. Many aspects of the Christian life require us to judge and to discern. Well, how can we do that without breaking this commandment here to judge not? How can we identify sin for what it is without being judgmental? Well, as Christians, Jesus wasn't forbidding us from making moral judgments or assessments. What he was doing is warning us about the way in which we do it. He was speaking about the condition of the heart, the spirit and the attitude we use when we judge. There is a right way to judge and a wrong way to judge. There's a right kind of judgment and a wrong kind of judgment. There is a big difference between judging biblically and being judgmental. To judge biblically means to discern the truth, and it is always based on facts. That is not wrong. Again, the Bible says, by their fruits you shall know them. We can judge certain behaviors and actions, and you know what? We can do that without condemning them or condoning their sin. Jesus did that all the time. But to be judgmental is finding fault with somebody, being critical without cause, based on personal feelings or assumptions. That is terribly wrong. That is the kind of judgment that Jesus is condemning here. You know, we become judgmental when we go from judging a person's actions and praying for them to condemning them and passing judgment upon them. When we decide as we look at a person's life that somehow their sins are so egregious and so wrong that they've crossed the line and there's no hope for them, at that point we've passed judgment and in doing so we condemn ourselves. The Bible says that. That's the kind of judgment the Lord is speaking of when he says, judge not that ye be not judged. James 4.12 says, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest? Another, you know, when we condemn others, we put ourselves above those we judge. We put ourselves in God's place. God won't share his glory with another. God will not share his throne with anyone else. The job of judging and condemning is up to God and God alone. And when we do that, we take on that kind of attitude. We actually condemn ourselves. That's the kind of judgment Jesus was warning about. You know, sometimes as Christians, we have to make moral assessments or moral judgments. 
But in doing that, it's always a good thing to bear in mind verse 2 when Jesus tells us here, For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Whatever yardstick you use to judge somebody else by, whatever standard you hold that person to, Jesus is warning us here that same judgment is going to be applied to you. If we're critical and harsh and unforgiving and condemning in our minds toward others, we will be judged in that same manner. If we're loving and kind and charitable in our thoughts toward others, that's how we will be judged in measure. As we judge others, so shall we be judged. James 2.13 gives us a very strong warning. He says, For he shall have judgment without mercy, and hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. The greatest thing we can experience in our lives is God's mercy. The worst thing we can be under is God's judgment. But judging without mercy places us under the judgment of God. When we refuse to show mercy to others, we forsake God's own mercy in our lives. So we need to always remember whatever measure we dole out, that's what's going to be returned to us. It goes along with the golden rule of do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Judge others in the way you would want to be judged. This must be done in a spirit of meekness and humility. It tells us in 2 Timothy 2, verse 25, it says, In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Our effort should never be to pass judgment or to condemn, but to redeem. You know, it is possible to judge someone's actions without being judgmental or passing judgment on them or condemning them. And in fact, actually at times you can encourage them. I'll never forget something that happened to me as a kid. I was about 12 or 13. Wasn't saved, didn't care about being saved at that time, really had no respect for the church or didn't really care what went on in a service. And I remember one evening in particular, a friend of mine, we were both uh, unsaved, sitting in a service, probably visiting and talking without thinking about it, being disruptive. And there was an older sister sitting in front of us with her husband, and her husband was unsaved. And so when we stood to prayer, she slipped a little note behind her, and I knew it was for us, so I took it and I read it. And I can't tell you exactly what it said, but I can give you the gist of what it said. It said, I'm sure you boys aren't even aware that you're being a little noisy. She says, it's a bit hard to concentrate. She says, I'm here with my husband who's unsaved. I've been praying for him that the Lord would speak to him. I would really appreciate it if you could just quiet it down a little bit. Thank you for your consideration. You know what that did to me? I wanted to do the right thing. She actually made me want to behave at least till the service was over because she handled with so much love and grace. She recognized our behavior wasn't good, but the way she handled it and expressed it, you know what? She did it in love and in humility and it made an impression on me. So we need to be careful. 
Verse 3 through 5, Jesus gives further warning about judging. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. I see two types of judging here the Lord condemns. Judging hypercritically and hypocritically. The Lord paints a very ridiculous and exaggerated word picture here of this man with this huge beam sticking out of his eye. Well, he did that on purpose. He wants to show how ridiculous and unreasonable and inconsistent it is for someone to go around lining others up, pointing out every little thing, uh, majoring on the minors, pointing out every little infraction, every little character flaw, every little mistake, while at the same time they have this huge, glaring, obvious character flaw in their own lives that they're ignoring. Jesus says that's how ridiculous it is when we judge in that manner. In this case, it was that man's critical attitude that the Lord was speaking of. We see the application. The Lord is saying, get our own issues taken care of first. We need to get our own problems fixed. We need our own house in order before we can ever hope to see clearly enough to help our brother or our sister. Take that microscope and that magnifying glass we're using on others. Turn it on ourselves. And when we do, you know what? The Lord will begin to show us some things. And when He shows us those things, we need to humble ourselves. We need to obey and remove the log out of our own eye before we can even hope to help anybody else. But you know what happens when people begin to do that? Revival happens when people begin to do that. I thought about on the day of Pentecost, it says they were all in one accord in one place when the Holy Spirit fell. All in one accord. They were sanctified in one place. They were unified. They weren't looking around at each other. If there were issues, they got those things resolved. They were examining their own hearts, and that's when the Spirit of the Lord fell. So we want to make sure, you know, to judge hypercritically and hypocritically is something that the Lord condemns. And when we do that, again, we, we forsake the Lord's mercy in our own lives. Another type of judgment to avoid, we read in John 7.24, it says, "...judge not according to the appearance." But judge righteous judgment. This is speaking about judging superficially or judging based on what we think we see rather than on what we actually know. Things are not always as they appear to be. Sometimes we may find that out the hard way. Sometimes when we begin to judge that way, we tend to make assumptions and accusations and we call it a rush to judgment. It can be very harmful, not only to ourselves, but to the individual. I heard a story about a pastor years ago in Florida who was actually seen by a member of his congregation one day riding around town in a car with a woman that wasn't his wife. Well, of course, the person that saw this got on the phone and they started to spread the rumor around and pretty soon tongues were wagging and caused a huge stir. Well, come to find out this woman was this man's sister visiting from out of town. 
But by the time the truth played out, guess what? The damage had been done. This man's character, his integrity, all those things were called into question because of a rush to judgment. We want to make sure certain things we can judge by seeing, but we want to make sure that we're not hasty. We want people to treat us with that same type of judgment. Jesus doesn't treat us that way. Aren't you thankful for that? You know, we don't judge a person's entire life by their worst moment. Again, if Jesus judges that way, we'd all be in trouble. So we want to make sure that we don't rush to judgment just based on what we see or what we maybe think we know. In Luke chapter 7, we read about Simon the Pharisee. This man passed judgment on a woman based on her appearance and her reputation. What he couldn't see is that this woman had been forgiven. He couldn't see the work of grace that Jesus had done in her heart and life. Not only that, he judged Jesus himself. He said, if this man were a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman this was. Jesus knew what kind of woman she was. He forgave her. You know what? She received salvation. Simon received condemnation because of that judgmental attitude or of judging based on appearances. You know, as Christians, we want to avoid the trap of being judgmental. We can do that by judging ourselves. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you. Is my life lining up to the Word of God? Am I above reproach? Am I uh, bearing out the fruits of the Spirit in my life? Am I doing everything for the Lord's glory and not through strife or vainglory? Am I grieving the Spirit of the Lord in any area of my life? You know, when we begin to truly examine ourselves in the light of God's Word, we won't have the time or the ego to judge anybody else. So we want to examine ourselves. 1 Corinthians 11.31 says, For if we should judge ourselves, we should not be judged. The Word of God tells us Jesus Christ is the judge. He's the righteous judge. We know Jesus came the first time as a sacrifice for our sins as we celebrate the birth of Christ, but He's coming again to judge the world. He's the only true judge. The Bible tells that one day He will judge all things. Even in John 5.22, it says, The Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment to the Son. Jesus judges. He's the judge. It also tells us Jesus will judge the righteous as well as the wicked. And we will all stand before this judge one day. Every one of us are going to meet Jesus face to face. First Timothy 5.24 says, Some men's sins are beforehand going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. There will be a time for everybody to face those sins which they've committed. You can face them today. Send them on beforehand. You can bring them before Jesus, the righteous judge. You can plead guilty. You can seek forgiveness and repentance. And you can be fully pardoned. You can walk out of the courtroom a free person this morning. Or you can ignore them. Continue in them and eventually one day die in them and face Jesus in judgment and have Him declare you guilty and face the eternal punishment as a result. The good news is 
We have a choice. You don't have to die with a guilty verdict hanging over your head. You don't have to live under any guilt or condemnation. You can throw yourselves on the mercy of the court. The Lord is a merciful judge. You know, the only one who has power to pass judgment also has the power to pardon and set you free. He can commute your sentence this morning. Jesus is a compassionate judge. It says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He can give you a clean slate and a clean conscience. This is the only judge in all the universe who ever gave his own life to pay for the penalty and the pardon of the criminal. Jesus did that for each of us. He died, shed his own blood so that the guilty could go free. You know, Jesus is a wise judge. He knows exactly what you need this morning. If you need encouragement, the Lord will encourage you. If you need correction, Maybe you realize you become a little judgmental. The Lord can help you with that. If you need wisdom, the Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Jesus isn't going to judge you for asking wisdom. He'll give you wisdom. He knows what you need, when you need it. This judge has the answer. Well, we have to be willing to recognize our need. We have to be willing to humble ourselves and kneel before that righteous judge and ask for help. But you know what? The Bible says he will abundantly pardon. The Lord will help you today, whatever your need may be. And the best news of all, like Paul said, one day this righteous judge, he has a crown of righteousness for all those that love him. You can have that hope in your heart today. Whatever the need, come before that righteous judge. The Lord judges fairly. He does it in love. The Lord will help you today. Let's sing 657, These Altars Are Open.